0: Well, we have in our readings this idea of leprosy being put before us very clearly. We've got an extensive text from Leviticus talking about uh, the signs of leprosy and how the community of the Israelites should, should handle it, should deal with it. And then we have an actual leper in the Gospel coming to Jesus and asking to be healed of his leprosy. Now, I just want to draw your attention to something very interesting, though, in the Gospel. If we could just kind of imagine ourselves uh in this in this scene, in this setting. We see this man who is totally disfigured. And his face and his body's dressed in rags, completely poverty stricken. And uh a, a really a gruesome sight to behold. Uh, and especially I, I think, you know, if you're if you're deformed in body, it's one thing, but when your face is really deformed and scarred and you know, horrible to look upon. This is an especially difficult thing for a person to have to endure a, specific, a particularly difficult burden to, to carry. A fa- your face is really the, it's the, the almost like the, the physical representation of your person. And for that to be disfigured, it's a very terrible thing. And we naturally um, are kind of grossed out and, and kind of, uh, we have an aversion to seeing the human figure deformed in that manner. Jesus does not turn away in horror. He doesn't even so much as avert his his gaze or flinch. He looks this poor soul right in the face. Now, he could have, and this is what I want to draw your attention to, which I find really interesting. He could have simply said the word and healed the man, right? He could have done that. The power to do that. But how did he heal them? How did he heal this guy? He actually stretched forth his hand and he made contact with this repulsive, horrible form. He actually touched him. Very important detail. And I think really in that detail we see a kind of a, in a small little thumbnail sketch, the incarnation. The incarnation of God. God from all eternity, looked ahead, looked upon an ugliness, a horrible, horrible deformity. And he nonetheless decided to, through the incarnation, reach out and make actual contact with us by becoming one of us, entering right into the midst of ugliness. What is this ugliness that I speak of? What is this ugliness that God from all eternity foresaw and yet decided to make contact with? What is this ugliness? Well, travel with me, if you will, to the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, and so we're going to have a little meditation upon the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the garden that night, our Lord, totally alone, Totally abandoned, praying to the Father, saying, My soul is sorrowful unto death. My soul is sorrowful unto death. the Gospel of Luke, it says that his sweat, because he was under so much stress, his sweat became his drops of blood. Now maybe that's metaphorical, but others see that as literal, meaning that Christ actually swept blood. Now, this is interesting because, if that's the case, this phenomenon of sweating blood has been a very well documented medically in contemporary times. Uh, it's, a, it's a rare condition, but it exists. It's called hematidrosis. What happens is the top layer of your skin separates from the layer just beneath it. And in that separation, in that space, blood comes it moves in, fills that space. And then in the sweat, in the sweating, because of the stress, the blood comes out of your sweat glands, out of your pores. And you actually literally sweat blood. It's kind of a strange mixture of sweat and blood. And the other thing about hemodidrosis is that it makes the skin incredibly sensitive and fragile. It could break, it could rip, cut easily, very, very easily. It's extremely painful as well. So can you imagine how much more painful Christ's scourging would have been given this condition of his skin? But between the garden and the scourging was to come some other other issues and, and humiliations. He was arrested that night, he was brought before Caiaphas. God Almighty in the flesh made man for our salvation, for our good, was accused of being a blasphemer. He was mocked. He was blindfolded. He was struck. He was spit upon. Then he was thrown into a dungeon. Next morning after undoubtedly a sleepless night, he was dragged before a number of other courts, before Annas... Before King Herod, who wanted to see a magic show. Then he was brought before Pilate, who in his negligence and malfeasance and his cowardice betrayed him to be condemned to death, washing his hands of the whole affair. And then he was scourged. Now, some scourgings were meant to be just a punishment after which a man would walk away and say to himself, I'm not going to do that again. But that's not the kind of scourging that Christ received. The scourging that took place before Roman crucifixion was meant to bring a man to the brink of death. He was not supposed to walk away after it. It was meant to bring him to, to the brink of death so that the crucifixion would all the more easily finish him off. The scourge that was used was a cord of, of a whip of cords, leather cords, into which were woven lead balls and pieces of animal bone, sharp broken pieces of the bones of animals. And uh, after the back and the, the rear end and the legs of the man were completely torn to shreds with this terrible scourge uh, sometimes the chest was as well. It would have been dozens of lashes, and at the end of it all, our Lord would have been shredded. His skin would have just been bloody ribbons of flesh. And then he was given the cross. Now, it's possible that he just was given the cross beam to carry, which would have been between 75 and 125 pounds. That's a lot of weight after having been scourged like that to be expected to carry. But it could have been the case that he was given the full cross, which is oftentimes depicted in our artwork in the Stations of the Cross. Uh, that would have been upwards of 300 pounds. Now, if there's any weightlifters amongst us, Rich maybe being one of them, he knows 300 pounds, that's a, that's a lot of weight. Okay, If you were to deadlift or to squat 300 pounds, that would be, you, you're a pretty strong guy. I mean, really strong guy. Um. And after that kind of condition, being scourged like that, probably almost to the point of blacking out, to expect, to be expected to carry a burden that heavy, it's, it's unthinkable. And so in fact, actually, he was given the help of Simon of Cyrene because there's no way that he could have carried 300 pounds himself. Three quarters of a mile. That was the distance he was to carry the cross. Three quarters of a mile. And uh, after he got through that, and got to Mount Calvary, clothes had been put, placed upon him, they were stripped off, opening afresh the wounds that he had received from the scourging. He was thrown on the ground, the dirt and the dust probably becoming embedded in all of his wounds, and his hands were pierced with nails as they nailed him to the crossbeam. Now a lot of modern scholars think that it wasn't it wasn't really the, the the nails didn't go through the palms but they actually went through the wrists okay and uh, for a nail to go through the wrist it would crush and sever a very specific sensory motor nerve that was in the hand and the hands would be completely disabled and uh, bolts of fiery pain would have shot upwards through the arms and into the rest of the body. Incredibly excruciatingly painful. This was all intentional. The Romans knew what they were doing. Now, the thing about the cross is that it was a torture of asphyxiation. That is, it was meant to cut off your oxygen. So, the man who hung upon the cross, was nailed to it with his feet and his hands, his muscles in his chest would have Fixed his lungs in a position of exhale of inhalation, of inhalation. And so to exhale was very, very difficult. To do so, the only way was to push up on your feet and pull down on the nails and to try to get your body in a position to go to breathe out. And then you would breathe quickly in and you go back down. And every time you wanted to breathe. You had to move your body in that excruciatingly painful motion. And can you imagine, you know, your backside and your back having been ripped up by the scourge and it's you're rubbing it against the back of the cross. And Christ went through this for four or five or possibly six hours. And uh, all the more blood f- flowing out of him and all the less oxygen coming into his into his system. And he eventually expired of blood loss and lack of oxygen at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So the Son of God from all eternity foresaw this ugliness. This is the ugliness. This is the leprosy. And when he saw that ghastly image, it was not so much himself that he saw And this is the other key to my homily. He wasn't seeing himself so much as he was seeing us. All this ugliness was our ugliness. It was our sin and the hardness of our hearts and our lack of love and indifference that would cause all this. We crucified Christ, you and I. We were the ones that crucified him. All this ugliness was our poverty, sickness, and leprosy. And yet he still stretched forth his hand and he touched this leper. He still decided to become man and to make contact with sinful flesh and suffer out of love for us. Some people ask, well, how come the passion had to be so nasty? It's because when we sin... God sees our sin as the nastiest thing you can possibly imagine, and we're completely blind to it. And so he had to illustrate the ugliness of our sin by going through the passion and becoming what he became on the cross so that we could get it into our heads that our sin is ugly. Nonetheless, he took our hard hearts and he gave us human hearts. He restored to us the human image that sin had ravaged and disfigured. He made us whole again. He healed us. He made us able to love and to forgive. And like the leper who was once alienated from God and from human society, he was, we were set free to worship again and to rejoin our fellow human beings. This Ash Wednesday, my brothers and sisters, let us begin our Lenten journey with our Lord. Let us accompany him to Mount Calvary. Let us give him and our neighbor some consolation through our acts of penance and charity. Let us love our Lord and be thankful that this leper has been healed and made whole.